You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Some years ago, outside the central headquarters of our church in Belfast, and when I say some years ago, during the probably the early years of my ministry, uh, if you were going into church house, you would have noticed uh, on the steps of church house there was a man sat, and I suppose he would generally today be referred to possibly as a tramp. His hair was long and greasy and untidy. He would have worn a, a rope round his waist to keep his trousers up. His clothes were torn. His shoes didn't have any laces on them. And there he sat day and daily. It wasn't a matter of just him being there for a week or two, but he was actually there for a lengthy period of time, not only months, but probably years. People who worked in church houses, they walked in and out, would have seen him, and some got to know him, and others maybe possibly didn't uh, pay too much attention to him. But one Christmas, he went missing. And one or two members of the staff wondered, where was he? What had happened to him? He wasn't there to beg because he didn't need money. I remember on one occasion going into a bank in Belfast and he was in the queue in front of me and he drew out some considerable substantial amount of money uh, across the counter. But anyway, when he was missing, uh, inquiries were made as to where he was, only to discover that he was fulfilling the ambition of a lifetime. And that was that he wanted to be in Waterloo Station in uh, London on Christmas Eve and spend the night there. After Christmas was over and the holiday season was finished, he was back again in his usual place and there he sat day and daily. Acts 3 tells us the story of a man who sat outside the temple in Jerusalem. But in his case, it was not by choice but as a consequence of necessity. From birth, he was unable to walk. And he was taken there day and daily by those who probably were his friends and those who took took the view that those who would be going into the temple were probably sufficiently disposed to those who were not too well off and that they would give him some uh, money to alleviate his plight. They probably were aware of the fact that it was a Jewish custom to be helpful to those who were needy. And on one occasion, the Bible tells us that Peter and John were going into the temple and he was at his accustomed place of begging and sure enough, he asked them for money. And this morning, I want us to look at three things from this particular story that we read from Acts 3. The first thing I want you to notice is the request that he made. For this man, his focus was exclusively on the here and now. He was concerned only about his penniless state and his pitiful condition, and he wanted to request charity from those going into the temple. Now, his horizons were somewhat narrow because he had no broader appreciation of the possibility 
that things could be better, that a better day could arrive for him. He probably took the view, well, things have never been any different than they are, and therefore I've been going here day and daily, and that's the way it's going to be, and that's the way I've got to accept it, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I suppose, in reality, he was not to blame. And in some respects, he was like a carbon copy of many people today, living for today or tomorrow, focusing exclusively on the material. If health is good, if resources are adequate, if personal priorities are being met, well, occasionally that pattern of life may be interrupted with an unseen diversion which we don't want but we take the rough with the smooth and we leave it at that and that's the way it is for us. In our Presbyterian church the shorter catechism often uh, as you read it you will find the first question which is often quoted is what is man's chief end or what is the purpose of life and the answer is surely the purpose of life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But there are many people today and there is that disconnect. They don't see any real meaning and purpose of life, or at least they don't see the real purpose of life, as this man unfortunately did not see at that particular juncture when he simply thought, my purpose is to go and get enough to keep me going until the next day. There's nothing more to life than that. There was a disconnect between himself and God. There's a story told about a young American couple who were brought up in one of the big cities in America. And they decided that they wanted to opt out of the rat race of life. And so they went and they went into a jungle. And there they decided that they would live for the rest of their lives. They got a little house built, they took what they felt was absolutely necessary, and there they were living, and they wanted to see how the jungle dwellers could live a very mediocre life without all the pressure that American life was bringing to them. Unfortunately, they had to leave rather quickly, and as a result of that, the people who lived in the jungle decided that they would go and they would look round the house in which these people had lived. They made their way in, and as they made their way into the house, they, they discovered sitting over in the corner, there was this thing, and there was water in it. They cupped their hands and they, they took a drink of the water. And they came to the conclusion that what they saw they had never seen before, it was actually a blue plastic bucket. And so they came to the conclusion that's what these people kept water in. It didn't take much understanding to realize that. They then went into another room and up against the wall there was this piece of equipment which was about five or six foot, feet tall, it was five or six feet long, it was about eight inches thick and when they touched it it was relatively soft and it fell down onto the ground and one of them sat down on it, in fact another one lay down on it and had a wee snooze and they came to the conclusion that this was what these people would have slept on. It was actually a mattress. They went into another room and there was a wee makeshift table sitting 
And on the table there was this round thing. It was flat, it was thin. It was about five inches in diameter and it had a hole in the middle. And they looked at it and they examined it and they couldn't understand what it was. They sought to bite it, but it was too hard. They thought it might be useful for a fan to, because of the intense heat of the jungle, but it was no use for that either, and they pitched it out the window. They saw it as something that was absolutely of no consequence or of any use. Now, had they taken that little piece of equipment and had they known that in a cupboard there was a battery-operated CD player, and if they had applied the disc to the CD player and pressed the appropriate buttons, they would have heard some very beautiful music. But they saw it as an irrelevancy as far as life was concerned. There are many people today out there, and sometimes there are many people in the likes of a place like this, and they have pitched the Bible out the window. They see it as absolutely no relevance to their everyday living. And like the jungle dwellers, throwing out the CD, they miss the real point of what they could have experienced had they applied the CD to their experience in the house or the Bible to the experience in their lives. As far as this man was concerned who sat at the temple gate, his focus was simply on the here and now it was on what he could get for that day. And he was, at that point, missing the purpose of life. And the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is simply the question, am I missing the true purpose and meaning of life? Do I lurch from one day to another doing my own thing, following my own desires, having divorced myself from what the Bible has in store for me. And so we see there was a request. There was a request for something that would help him. But secondly, there was the response that was given. The two apostles, having been confronted with this request, were now required to respond. They would have been aware of the attitude of Jesus Christ, and his attitude was that if there are people in need, you do something about it. You remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he said, sell what you have and give to the poor. During his Sermon on the Mount, he alluded to the fact that it was necessary to be cautious with our material possessions, not to worry about tomorrow, and to be generous to those who needed it. Yet we discover, as Peter and John responded, there appeared to be a contradiction on the part of Peter and John to their understanding of what Jesus would have taught. 
when, he, when they were asked for something as far as the aid was concerned, how did Peter respond? He said, look at us. The beggar probably would have thought, well, at least here's somebody who has heard that I need something. And there's an eye contact, not like others who may have been just walking into the temple and turned their head in the other direction and ignored this man. And so for a moment or two, this man would have thought, ah, I'm going to get something. I'm getting through to this couple. But then his hopes would have been dashed when Peter said, silver or gold have I none. But then he went on to say something more. It was, but whatever I have, I will give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. What was Peter doing? Peter was now expressing the reality of his own personal material bankruptcy. There was absolutely nothing in the long term that he could do in order to help this poor, unfortunate individual. But there was something that he could do. And that was through what Jesus Christ had invested him with, the opportunity to call on the Lord to heal him. And the spiritual dimension that was now introduced into this particular man's thinking that previously he had considered nothing about we see that he was now going to get something from God that previously he had been in danger of losing because he wasn't focusing on what God could do for him. And we see that he did come at that particular point to a deeper spiritual understanding of what Peter and John were talking about. And in some respects, the story of the CD player and the disc is a good illustration to encourage us to engage deeper with Jesus Christ and our relationship with him rather than beyond a casual religious understanding of life. Because to be a beneficiary of God's best for us, we need to become a child of God which is more than just tipping our hats to the gospel, to be engaging in some religious social environment. It's more than saying the right things and being in the right religious places. Years ago, you know, in our churches, there was a theological opinion that came under the umbrella or the label of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. It emphasized that God was the father of all people. And such theology was peddled even in some of our pulpits. But yet, nowhere do we read that that is the case within the Bible. We read that for as many as receive him, to them give he the right to become children of God. At a certain stage in my life, I became a teenager. At a certain stage of my life, though I may not have been looking forward to it, I became a pensioner. What was I before I was a teenager or a pensioner? I was not. It was something I became. What does the Bible say? For as many as receive him, that is Jesus, to them gave he the right to become 
Therefore, it's something that we become. It's not something we inherit. It's not something that we are born. And the question we need to ask ourselves is the question, have I become a child of God? Have I been a recipient of what the Bible calls the new birth? Which is not just a matter of a better understanding of Bible truth. It's just not a matter of turning over a new leaf, of making a new start. But the new birth is a supernatural work of God in your heart and mind, enabling us to exercise saving faith. And in exercising that saving faith, we become the child of God. And Augustus Toplady, author of the well-known hymn, Rock of Ages, sums it up so adequately in the verse, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And so by exercising saving faith, we come, become a child of God. And to go back to the story, the lame man received infinitely more than he requested. It was not just charity that he received that would last for a day, but a completely new life, both physically and spiritually. And the outcome being that he jumped to his feet, he went into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. There was the request that was made. There was the response that was given. And thirdly, there was the reaction that followed. There were a number of reactions. First of all, there was the reaction of the man. What do we see that he did? Well, he went into the temple. Previous to that, he would have been unable to go because in those days, those who were physically challenged in that particular way were unable to go into the inner courts of the temple. But now this man who had previously been an outsider was an insider as a result of his encounter, not only with Peter and John, but more importantly with Jesus Christ. And his response to the miracle was genuine. What did he do? He went in walking and leaping and praising God. He had a true desire to worship after his conversion. It was the great preacher Duncan Campbell once said, that salvation just means that the Son of God has brought me into touch with God personally. And I am possessed and thrilled with something infinitely greater than myself. And I become a worshipper. He showed his appreciation by being a genuine worshipper. He just didn't go into the temple because it was the thing to do. He didn't go into the temple because he was just expected to do that. But he went into the temple because he wanted to genuinely thank God for what had happened in his life. And that's what true worship is surely all about. But not only was there the, the, the reaction of the man, but there was the reaction of the other worshippers. We read that they were amazed. They recognized that this was the man who previously had been at the temple gate for so long. And this surely must have been saying something to them. And the worshippers were amazed. And as a result of that, well, God was glorified. And what in reality should be our response 
when we are the recipients of the grace of God? Well, surely our response should be that we, like them, want to be true worshippers as this man was, and we should be amazed at what God has done for us. But then the third reaction was from Peter and John. What happened as far as they were concerned? Well, when this man went into the temple in the way that he did, and people were amazed at what they had seen, it gave Peter and John the opportunity to reinforce why all this had happened. And it simply had happened because of what this man was able to testify. And the people then listened to Peter and John as Peter and John preached the gospel to them. And we discover that as a result of that, there was a number of people became Christians. So because he had become a follower of Jesus, and because the people were amazed, because they were asking what was going on here, Peter and John had the opportunity to articulate the gospel. And then finally, what about the religious authorities? We read in Acts 4, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and it was evening, but they put them in jail till the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And interesting, the reaction of the religious authorities. The very people who should have been rejoicing at what happened to this man were the very people who were expressing the opposite. I remember during my ministry, when I was in Balamone, there was a man in the congregation, and he was probably one of the most popular men in the church. He was on the church committee. And when anything needed to be done of a practical nature about the church, he was first in the queue. And he, he took ill and went into hospital. And I went in to visit him one day, and I was in talking to him for a while, and as I was about to leave, I had prayed with him, he turned to me and he said, Mr. Rooney, I want to say something to you. I wondered, what is he going to say? He said, I'm not a Christian. I had the privilege that day of leading him to the Lord. The good thing was that he was restored to health again. And he went back to church. He was in the bowling club. And he went to the bowling club the first evening back. And he announced to those who were around him, I have become a Christian. There were a number of people looked at him and said, why did you do that? After all, you're immersed in the church. You're in the first of the queue when anything needs to be done. You're in the church committee. Sure, you were good enough. You didn't need to take that step and join the Holy Brigade. 
Who were the people who were up in arms about this man becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? Not the non-Christian constituency outside, but some within the religious community from within. And why were they disturbed? Because he was a challenge to their particular lifestyle, which was the same as his, before he became a follower of Jesus Christ. I remember as a student going out one Sunday to a particular congregation quite a long distance away, and I was invited for my lunch after having taken the service. It was to the clerk of Sessions house. He was an old man, nearly 80. And he said to me, he said, you know, I've held every position that there's to be held in this church. I've been the secretary, I've been clerk of session, I've been Sunday school superintendent, I've been treasurer. But let me tell you something. Three years ago, I became a Christian. Three years ago, I became a Christian. Could it be this morning that there are some of us here and we've been coming to church for generations. We haven't taken that vital step to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we can talk about the church. We can talk about all sorts of things. But when it comes to talk about saving faith, we may hang our heads at times in embarrassment. The man who went to the temple gate received infinitely more than he expected. There was a reaction. He went in and he truly worshipped. He identified with the worshippers. The worshippers were glad that he was now as he was. Peter and John were given the opportunity to articulate what had happened to this man. The religious authorities were the ones who were challenged. But there were also those who were in the temple. They were glad that this man was who he claimed to be, now a follower of Jesus Christ. What about you? Let us pray.